He's back. Sports Radio is back. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown on Sports 1440. Today's show, oh, those Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, my. A long, long winter for Schneider and Vladdy. A long winter of fan discontent anyway. We'll find out if anybody else... I mean, I don't think anybody's going to get fired, but you never know. That was a wildly disappointing game. And the Jays didn't really give themselves a chance. And that's the tough one. Oilers look ready. Uh, I have to say, the kids look good. That Connor McDavid guy, I don't know. I think he's going to be okay. And Connor Brown looks like he fits. We'll talk about that and more. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us, 1-833-401-1440. And on Twitter, at Low Tide and Declan Kruger. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Wolf. GMCBuick.com. Bag Milk from Oilers Nation will join us, and Jeff Cruschel, dear friend of mine from Crush Sports Performance, will chat about the Oilers game, Jay's season, MLB playoffs, and um, Mr. Cruschel's last year or so. I think I think you'll find it compelling. Jay's Twins is hard. It's it's a there are some postseasons that end, and you go, well, man, they they just ran into a buzzsaw, or they ran into a better team. But I know, because I've watched baseball forever, I know what this winter's going to be. There's going to be two gigantic heat pads, one Schneider, one Guerrero. And look, John Schneider made a decision. And I had like 15 people say, see, low tide, analytics doesn't work. Well, analytics doesn't, doesn't necessarily approve that move. And here's why. Your pitcher's doing pretty well. He's given up a hit, big whoop. You go to your lefty and you better be right. You know, when I was young, my favorite, favorite manager was a man named Whitey Herzog. And Herzog did things he just didn't care. He did things nobody else ever did. I'll give you an example. He's late innings and he has his closer, Todd Worrell, in. And Worrell was an absolute fireballing righty pitcher. Big, tall man, imposing. And a lefty was coming to the plate and Whitey didn't like the matchup. Warrell versus whoever the, the left-handed hitter was. So Whitey Herzog put his pitcher, Todd Warrell, in right field and brought in a lefty, got the left-handed hitter out, brought Warrell back to the mound, and won the game. And he did a double switch. He put another outfielder uh, back when Warrell went to pitching. And I remember people were like, yeah, well, you know, it's good he was right, and that's it. If you're going to do it, Mr. Schneider, you better be right. And when you're not, it's going to bite you. And I think he's a good manager. I don't think he's going anywhere. But there are going to be some slings and arrows. And that's just the nature of the beast. You make your call. I, I, for many years, I was so mad at Jim Fanning for bringing in Steve Rogers to pitch. Rogers was his best pitcher, but Rogers was a starting pitcher. And he brought him in from the bullpen. And Ron Say hit a, a, just a, an absolute long fly ball to left field for an out, and then Rick Monday hit it out, and that was it. That's all she wrote. Fans remember that stuff. They just do. Like, th- that was, you know, 40-some years ago, and I still remember it. You'll remember what happened last night for a long time, or I guess yesterday afternoon. you got to be right if you're going to do it, if you're the manager. Vladdy Guerrero is one of my favorites. Lots of reasons. His dad was uh, probably my second favorite expo behind Tim Raines. 
and you watch these kids come into the league and he was you know very talented and I didn't like him at third base. I used to yell from the mountaintops at the other radio station that he was no good at third base. But you know what? He has impressed me with how hard he's worked. His footwork is great now at first base, and he makes really good plays. Vladimir Guerrero has made himself into a good infielder. Hard to do, and he did it. And he's not, he is, he's blessed, you know, touched by God in a lot of ways, but he didn't look like a shortstop, and he doesn't look like a, a fast, brilliant first baseman, but he, he is actually playing the position well. Certainly better than I ever thought he would. But here's the thing. You can't get picked off. You just can't. And I, I love him, but I, you can't. And so there are th- cruel things I could say about Vladimir Guerrero today. He has five years in the majors. So I could say, well, he doesn't have five years experience. He's got one year's experience five times, which is kind of a nasty thing to say to people or about people. And so instead of doing that, because I really believe in Vladimir Guerrero, I think he's going to be a fine, fine player for a long time, and the Jays would be foolish to send him away, and they won't. I'm going to say this, that, that there is a time just to cheer for a player or a team, and it's now. And there's, you're going to hear a lot of negative about Vladimir Guerrero, believe me. But if you're a fan, you can cheer for Guerrero to find redemption next year like to hit a home run in Game 7 of the World Series. And then then the feeling that you have today of disappointment will be replaced by a wonderful feeling of excitement and that he overcame something. That's what life is, is a struggle. And for Vladimir Guerrero, it's a struggle today. And look, he knows it. I, I, I know exactly what happened. He got, he forgot. You know, we all forget. Kruger forgets how loud his typewriter is when I'm talking. I don't forget, but it's just uncontrollable. There's nothing I can do. I have to be typing. We if, have to just if you uh, if you stop with it. drinking all the free Van Hoot coffee you do in this place. Do you think we could get a quieter keyboard? I I think it would be worse because it would be less efficient. If I gave up all that coffee, my typing it would be few and far between. It'd be loud. I'd be clacking. I'd be how sighing. much is a how much does a soft de tofty. Um, keyboard and i know that's not the technical oh, man name. is it like 12 dollars? it's a great question i've never bought a keyboard in my life well, um i so just I, think again, we should maybe comment. look into it because i'll talk i'll talk to some people if anyone wants to donate a keyboard for <laughs> us we'll take one you know anything to anything to get on low tide's good side well i'm i don't mind it but you know i mean <laughs> it's it's kind of i i kind of like it because it's sort of a it's sort of a trademark of our show and now you're not typing and i feel bad I've clearly hurt your feelings. No, I actually, I well, I'll get back to it in a moment, surely. But I did have a, a nice little low there, so it worked out with your rant. I didn't have anything to type. I'm oh, on the right side of history. Wait till I rant. Ah, you're right. It's not. It's more of a quibble. <laughs> I but, think uh, it was a small blip. When I rant, I get mad and I spittle goes everywhere. And then I change the subject and then I go back and rant some more. And then I say the power play can go to hell. And uh, it's quite the deal. All right, I, I'm hoping Vladdy gets redemption. I want to talk about others a little bit. Connor Brown, boy, does he look good. I have a question, though. What happens, riddle me this, Batman, what happens if Connor Brown and Connor McDavid form a great tandem and they score a badoodle of goals and then Zach Hyman doesn't play well or doesn't isn't as productive when he's not with McDavid? Because I can see that. Hyman had a great year last year with McDavid, 
what if he what if what if by bringing Connor Brown in you've somehow lessened the effectiveness of Hyman because he's not going to play with McDavid? Well, I have to think you know he's over over exceeded expectations in a sense playing with McDavid. You know that anytime someone is playing playing with Connor McDavid, their numbers are going to be inflated. You have to accept the fact that they that may be the exception, not the norm for Zach Hyman. And if he drops a little in production value, you have to say, okay, this is the Zach Hyman we know and understand. This is the Zach Hyman we brought on brought onto this club. He's not going to do what he's going to do when he's not playing with McDavid. We just have to accept that fact and hope he, he can be as productive as he can be. Yeah, I, 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 my it's, own feeling is that Brown might end up with Leon. You think? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Brandon Douglas made a quip on the Fantasy Frenzy before us. He thinks, I, now, I think it was a little bit of a joke, a little tongue-in-cheek. He thinks Connor Brown could be up near, up near 40 playing with McDavid. Oh, I, I, I mean, after last night, that's a, yeah, yeah. sky's the limit. That's what I'm saying. You and you, you, notice you, how you quote every other show, Bob's show, Dusty's show, the previous any. show, nothing on me. Bob and Dusty never roll off this tongue, but Brandon Douglas, Connor Halley, Kevin Carius, Jason Gregor, sure. I'm, I'm, I'll give I'm, them shine. I'm watching you. But I'm just saying, if you if you think Connor Brown can have a 40-goal, 45-goal season playing on playing, playing on the top line with Connor, you accept you accept a dip in production from Zach Hyman. You live with that. I think that Connor Brown is a better two-way winger, and I think Leon needs it more than Connor. I am right about this. I'm not going to rant, but I believe that will be, as time goes by... In the in the new tomorrow, we will see McDavid, Hyman, Kane, Leon, Nuge, Connor Brown, Raphael Lavoie scored another nice goal. Did you see that? Remember, now I don't. He can shoot that puck, man. He I can don't really like to brag. Puck. I I really am not a bragger type person. I want to promise you that as I begin to brag. But but I so told people. Mm. That he was—he had too much talent. Yep. You can't let goal scorers go. You cannot do it. Watch, they'll put him on waivers today. Uh, you, you think he's—you think he's going to be the twelfth forward? I think he's going to be the fourth line left winger because yep. it looks like Yanmark's going to be the center and Derek Ryan will be you, the right winger. You think they'll run with Yanmark at, at center? They don't make moves like they did last night in the last week unless they're at least yeah, thinking about it's it. It's time to get ready for the season. You're right. But I don't. I, what, what was that noise? No, that was just me thinking. That was just me thinking. I don't know. I, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, we don't need a, a a beatbox on the show. No, I know you're right, but I I guess I guess I just I I wouldn't want Derek Ryan as my fourth line center. I like him more in the wing, so I guess. But well, I don't know if I like Yanmark as my fourth line center either. As as I understand it, um, there is no Edmonton Oilers on waivers. A whack of Seattle Kraken, borrowing a word from. Frank Saravalli, Carrick Hughes, Colin, Devin Shore. I see uh, Tyler Pitlick, speaking of former Oilers, is on uh, is hurt. Emilio Pedersen from Calgary is on waivers, and he's a good player. Nobody knows who he is, but you heard it here first. Many moons from now, somebody will say, hey, you know who scored last night? Emilio Pedersen. And you'll go, low tide new. His numbers are good. The Oilers have signed Brady Stonehouse, to an entry-level contract. This is such a good move. I'm just going to say this now. The Edmonton Oilers have absolutely upped their game. And and I, uh, Michael Parcati's a friend of mine. I don't know that he had anything to do with this. But I know Brad Holland did. And I know the scouts did. And they got it right. Now, I, I don't know. I don't. I wish to God I could tell you the names of the scouts 
who said, bring him into camp, man, he's good. But this is an, uh, a, a forward who came in from the Ottawa 67 to the, uh, the, the summer camp to, went to go to Penticton, and he impressed right away. And you can sign these guys, even though they're going to be draft eligible next year. The Oilers badly, badly, badly need young talent. They need that pipeline, and it's, it needs to be much better than it is. This is a really good get by the Edmonton Oilers. I am I, I sometimes I'm highly critical of the Edmonton Oilers, but I think that that I'm honest with you and I'm being just flat out honest. The Brady Stonehouse signing was an astute and inspired signing by the Edmonton Oilers. Well done. Well damn done. I don't think I credited Jeff Jackson. I should in there too. Everybody take a bow. New and old. That's what's exciting about sports. You know, you, you, you got these guys, and they're trying to win a Stanley. But they're also trying to get the team better. And Brady Stonehouse may not see the NHL for five years. But when he does, if he plays one game, this was a win. They've invested in this young man, and he's going to invest all of his efforts in making the National Hockey League. It's a good deal. Now that I've, I've sent a bouquet to the Edmonton Oilers, I'm going to send a little bit of a, what's the opposite of bouquet? We can't say bullets. Oh, I would just say single flower would be the opposite of bouquet. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to mind. But what I, about a black flower or a dead flower, like the, the opposite, stones? I would just say a that, white flower and a live flower. I'm pretty literal with my comparisons. Dead flowers by the stones is like a vicious lyric. It truly is. Anyway, the Edmonton Oilers are not playing straight up right now. And they did it last year with Ryan McLeod. Ryan McLeod got hurt. He wasn't playing. And Jay Woodcroft would either deflect or, or you know, imply that it wasn't a big deal. And then he went on LTIR. He missed a bunch of games and then went on LTIR. And it's like the, the boy who cried wolf. After a while, people don't believe you. So when they say, you know, Ryan McLeod's getting ready, well, we see he's on the ice. And maybe maybe Matthias Ekholm will be on the ice today. But the the there is a fracture that occurs when you when you keep saying things and I know why organizations do it. I know why the Edmonton Oilers do it, because they don't want people to know what's going on. But I think you should officially be afraid about Matthias Ekholm. If he shows up on the ice today and he's skating around, then by golly, I'll tell you, hey, the Edmonton Oilers were straight up honest. But because of what happened last year with Ryan McLeod, I don't know that we can, we can say that to you. And they look, they don't have to care, you know, it's not like they, you know, sit down and go, well, let's worry about what low tide's going to say. I'm just telling you that that in the world of 2023-24 NHL hockey, straight-up honesty about injuries should happen for lots of reasons, including betting, but also because the fans deserve to know. If Matthias Ekholm doesn't play opening night, that's a story. It's a story, morning glory. And I'm going to follow it. I'm going to write about it tomorrow in The Athletic. And watch, as soon as I write about it, he'll be on the ice. And I'll look like a fool. A fool! By the way, uh, Dom Lachishan from The Athletic and Shayna Goldman, two very, very smart people. They have the Edmonton Oilers finishing with 107.2 points and a 15% Stanley Cup chance, and that's the best in the NHL. That's what you're looking at right now. Very nice. Who's our first guest today, sir? We have Jeff Cruschel. Jeff Cruschel. And uh, what are his qualifications? Does he do anything? He, uh, you know, he does a little bit of everything. 
He's that baseball guy. Remember, <laughs> yeah, he used that. to work for the Toronto Blue Jays, I recall. He did? wonder he... if he knows Louis Rivera, who retired today. I'm sure. I, does he? I don't know. Listen, we'll no, find I mean, out. Crusher he comes from a sports science background, big on athlete and player development, um, coaching performance, things like that. So he's going to have a lot of insight into the uh, into the world of the psychology of sports. And uh, I know you're looking forward to talking to well, him. Well, Jeff's so. a friend of mine. I, yes. I saw him the other day and I wanted to hug the stuffing out of him, but it was in a public place. Mm-hmm. So I did not. I refrained from doing it. And I think he's glad I did. Stronger than me. I would have wrapped him up in the old Declan Bear hug. <laughs> Jeff Grishel on the way. This is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger hanging out until 2 o'clock today. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the day, hanging with Declan. I think, I think it's fun. I hope you do too. Time now for In the Community, brought to you by United Sport & Cycle, where you can save up to 35%. United Sport & Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years. Joined by our friend... And and a dear friend of mine, Jeff Crushell from Crush Sports Performance, I was saying earlier when we went to commercial that I saw you the other day and I wanted to hug the stuffing out of you. You and I have been through some things, sir. How are you doing? Uh, how long ago was the heart attack and how are you doing? Oh, boy. Uh, what a time. Hey, it was um, it was May long weekend. The Wednesday after the May long weekend this year, just out of the blue. Very scary. Uh, no signs, no symptoms. I had a full-on physical, inside out, top to bottom, and I'm talking full-on physical. It was all 100% out. So, you know, I was, that was four months after my major back surgery. So I think this whole thing was just a spiral that, that just built and built and built. And boy, oh boy, what a humbling, scary experience that was. And and uh, th- there's a few things about it, and we won't spend long on it because you have talked about it before, but but the two things that I really remember is even when you were experiencing this, you you were were aware enough to go to a place where there was lots of people, and then I love the fact that your wife now has you on a monitor and a helicopter overhead all the time. <laughs> it's not far from the truth. Oh, no. I'm telling you, Al, there were decisions made that day, not intentional, just haphazardly in the moment that I made that probably saved my life. I was out on my mountain bike on a single track down in the River Valley, 6.30 in the morning. I felt like a million bucks that morning, and it was my first real ride out in the bush with after my back surgery. I kind of got clearance from the back surgeon, and boy, when this thing started, I'm going, okay, you know what it felt like? It felt like that first hockey shift of the year where your lungs are burning a little bit. So that's kind of what I thought it was. You know, it wasn't a big deal because it didn't really get worse. It didn't really get better. Then I started getting cramping in my arm and, you know, my arms have, you know, fallen asleep and cramped up on my mountain bike before. So I went, okay, I'm going a little too hard, a little too early. But the kicker was about 45 seconds after everything started, uh, I got this numbness up the side of my face and I knew then I was in big trouble. So, you know, I figured I would, uh, you know, I had, I had two options at that point, either to stop and get my phone out of my pack and call for help, um, but I still wasn't sure, and maybe in a bit of denial too, or I kind of thought to myself, boy, you know, if I get off my bike, if this is serious, I might not get back on. So I made my way out to the main walking path. There was nobody around, and I thought about stopping to get my phone there, and this is probably what saved my life. I was about two kilometers from the parking lot. I thought, you know, if I get off my bike here, what if I can't get back on? So I just controlled my breathing, rode nice and steady, back with my left hand over my heart, hold my 
holding my steering, my 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 um, handlebars, made my way back to the parking lot. And there was just a couple cars there at that time. I threw my bike into the back, and within 45 minutes, a minute of me stopped pedaling, it hit me like a Mack truck. And wow. man, oh man, what a scary time! I I was gone to the other side twice in the ambulance, and without the help of some incredible incredible people I'll, i just wouldn't be here today man wow you know you've i've heard that story before and it still brings chills and and you are just some people who've never met you you are like the healthiest happiest uppiest guy i've ever met and it happened to you yeah yeah no and you know that's the crazy thing so i i look for answers if you go back and listen to our two return episodes back from a broken heart was the title of the two episodes we talked to some world-renowned experts on cardiovascular health and risk factors, and there is a massive, distinct connection between chronic pain and cardiovascular health. And because my cholesterol was great, my blood sugars are great, but for about 18 months, I was in severe, severe, severe pain now mm-hmm. with my back before I could get the surgery. And it was in COVID, so there's a two-year waiting list in Canada. I couldn't get across the border because the borders were closed, so... I was just in a terrible, terrible spot that just sort of, you know, peaked and, you know, all resulted in that crazy episode back in the bush on my mountain bike. Thank goodness. Here's what I've learned, okay? Two things I'd like to share with everybody that we really, really learned coming out of this now. One, carry aspirin, everybody. Doesn't matter what age you are. It might not be for you. It might be me or somebody who might need help. Aspirin can help somebody who's having a, a heart issue. So carry it with you. I bought little containers for all my relatives and all my friends. And, and so we really encourage that. And the other thing is I have three daughters, of course. So talking to the nurses and the cardiovascular specialists, we have to realize that cardiovascular heart attacks are the number one killer above cancer and anything else. Uh, but in women, women have fewer heart attacks but they pass away more often now because they have different symptoms. They're not the symptoms like men have, the chest pain, the shoulder pain. You know, some of the more common symptoms women will have is, is serious indigestion or acid reflux and low back pain. And they don't think it's a heart attack. And that's why we have to make sure we take care of our ladies out there. Well, you make a really good point. I want to drill down on this because I think it's really important. You know, um, there was a time when I was younger when women dying of a heart attack was like very rare. It was just hugely rare. Now it's more common. But as you say, maybe it's because women, we have not educated ourselves and as men to help out and women have not been educated either. So that's, that's like a huge gap here. Like I know what, you know, the, the, as a male, I know what to look for, but for women it's different. And I don't know if, if women all know that. Right, and they don't out. Like almost all the women in my family and my friends um, hadn't heard this before, nor had I. I hadn't heard this information before, and I'm going, how is this possible? You know, I've got three beautiful daughters. I've got a sister. I've got aunts and uncles and sisters-in-laws and, of course, great friends out there. And just about everybody I've talked to after this, um, you know, men and women, they, they've never heard that before. And it was actually one of the nurses in the cardiovascular recovery ward that actually brought this up. She actually came up to me in the second day. She goes, hey, Jeff, how are you feeling? I said, you know what? I'm feeling so much better today. She goes, you have scared the living crap out of everybody on this ward. Because, you know, we see people with heart issues. You know, we've had elite athletes in here before. But most of that is like congenital heart issues that just came to, came to be. But we've looked at your medical record, your physical from just two weeks ago is literally perfect like 
and here you are. I go, yes, it's scary as all get up. So having these conversations, Al, I think is really more important than we realize. And and also the the other thing I want to dwell on, and we I have something I want to talk to you about, but I, I just want to talk about, you know, chronic pain, we somehow, we, we talk about it like it's something to deal with, like painkillers or whatever, but in your case, the chronic pain was a long period, and obviously your body body was under tremendous duress. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like any other kind of stress. It could be financial stress. It could be workout stress. It could be relationship stress. Stress, 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 stress. It causes a chemical change in the body. The stress hormones are elevated. And in my situation, Al, listen, back pain, and people with back pain, these help there's great help out there if you're not familiar with it if you need help please write to me i have just been lucky enough to be connected with all these great people now uh and we're just uh realizing how unbelievable these people are and how much they just want to share their information but but chronic back pain and the pain i had out listen i've had broken bones i've had dislocations i've had torn ligaments nothing and i mean nothing compared to the pain i felt 24 hours a day for almost 18 months. It was excruciating. And if you go back and listen to that episode, I bear it all, man. And I hope I hope it might uh, help some people. Jeff Grishel, our guest from Crush Sports Performance. I, I look at this time of year, Jeff, as I know it's a, a pivot point for you because you work with so many uh, baseball kids, uh, you know, Vauxhall and all over the world, really. Uh, and their their programs change; they don't end. And then hockey season is up and running. And and for you, uh, I'm sure you get a lot more than I do. But I always get people asking me about you know I'm a parent of a child, and often it's like, should I continue uh, playing this sport or or during the winter, or what do I do with my baseball kid? His his arm uh, was a little sore at the end of the year. How important it is for parents to really be, stay on top of not just the 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 wishes of the athlete or the desires of, of their young athlete child, but also their health and what is best for them after a long year or at the beginning of a long year. Yeah, Al, we know some things now. There's been a lot of great research in this area, and all of this research is happening because the injury rates in sport, Al, are at historically high levels. But listen to me. At every single level of the game, right up to our pros, all you have to do is look at Major League Baseball this year you see the same thing in the NBA. We're seeing the same thing in hockey, the same trends in, in basketball. So we're seeing this right down to the youth levels. And one of the fastest growing orthopedic surgeries in the United States right now is the ulnar collateral repairing or the Tommy John. However, that statistic is in athletes 15 and under. We have never, ever in the history of mankind seen this kind of stress and these kind of injuries coming out of the sporting world. So the message for parents is, you know, you're the biggest part. Parents are the biggest part of the athlete's performance team, and they honestly have to be the ones to protect their players like a mama bear would protect her cubs, Al. I really, really believe that. And with the greatest of intentions, all these teams and the coaches and even the players, uh, parents themselves, are thinking that early specialization and more is better, and that is not the case. As a matter of fact, there's some great data on the show from last week, our podcast we put out. We talk about exactly this. There was a great research done uh, here in the last couple of years looking at NCAA and professional athletes. And when they looked at every single NCAA athlete, 94.4% 
of all athletes who compete in the NCAA were multi-sport athletes up to that critical age of 15 or 16. It is almost impossible to succeed in sports if you specialize early, which is typically before the age of 12. That that's some amazing information, and uh, obviously, if you have a parent, if you have a, a child, you're a parent listening right now. That that is very compelling. Is there is there a um, because I always look at I, when I look at a player uh, who's made the major leagues. Uh, I was looking at a, a, a center fielder the, the Jays called up at late in the year who has a high uh, stolen base percentage. And I look at the years that he played, and it's up and down like a yo-yo. Some years healthy, some years not. You can tell that there was obviously some injury. And how important is it for the development years, let's say pre-22, when all the, the neurons have fired and the brain pathways have been uh, you know, scoped out, the road is there. How important is it to keep your child healthy like through their teen years as much as possible? Oh, it's critical. Wow, there's so much to talk about here. Listen, this is a very, very important conversation. And honestly, the reason I dove into all this developmental research is simply because I realized about 10 years ago that the injuries we were starting to see at the highest level with our major league guys, for sure, but also with our pro hockey players and our Olympic-style athletes, these injuries were absolutely unavoidable. They were just, all these athletes are, are almost like picking time bombs. The damage that we're seeing at the highest levels isn't happening there. It's starting at the youth level. And so about 10, 12, 15 years ago, about I started diving in and really studying the trends in youth sports, and that's where it's all happening. And listen, youth sports is a massive, massive industry. It will generate upwards of $20 billion this year, more than any of the professional sports. That's travel teams, rep teams, academies, showcases, all this stuff. And when youth sport became a business now, we were done, brother, I'm telling you. So that being said, listen, um, you know, uh, playing multiple sports up, up, up to those 15 years is absolutely critical, as long as possible, we say. But here's the real kicker for parents. Playing a single sport more than eight months a year is a very, very dangerous game to play. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go to a camp here or there in the offseason, but it has to be an offseason. Actually, this week's show that just came out, uh, dropped today, we talk about this. It is a fascinating look at how your environment actually can protect you from injury, but also increase your odds of playing elite sports. Uh, What we know now is fascinating, Al. Uh, Jeff, I can't let you go. I know you worked with the Jays for years, and I know that you watch Major League Baseball closely. Uh, I feel bad for Vladdy and, and Schneider today. Uh, what's your take on the two-game series and specifically yesterday for the Jays? Yeah, boy, isn't that unfortunate? I, I looked at this, and I was hoping all of these wild-card series would go to three games because the end of the baseball season was just so great. I mean, we were, we've been watching playoff baseball for a month already, which has been spectacular. But here's the thing, Al. You know... We can sit here and say, oh, boy, um, analytics, analytics, analytics. Vladdy, well, he made a mistake. You can't ignore that. And, you know, he'll learn from that and be a better player moving forward. That's baseball. So it just happened at a bad time. It's unfortunate for him. He was trying to be aggressive, and you can't really fault him for that. But but that's a situation where it can't happen. That's part of being a pro. He's going to get better from that. In terms of, you know, Schneider and the, the, the move on the pitching, so pulling the starter at that point, I, I, I immediately went back to last year when Kevin Cash pulled Snell as well, almost the exact same thing. 
we don't know if that was part of the game plan going into the game, but that was part of the strategy at the first sign of struggles. We're going to the bullpen. Um, and that being said, when you do go to the bullpen, you expect those guys to execute. So, man, damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's a tough spot to be in. Jeff, where can we hear you? Yeah, you know, you can go to crushperformance.com, Al, and our podcast is there weekly. Uh, we've got a weekly newsletter as well. And I'm really proud to announce for all the parents out there, I'm glad you mentioned it, we are launching this October uh, a two-hour live seminar uh, called Parenting the Athletes. And we'll have all of this information, Al, for parents. We just feel if we arm the parents with the information they need, they can help better guide their athletes through this crazy uh, landscape of, of sport and athlete development. I love you, man. You be healthy and you be good. Yeah. Thanks, Al. Really appreciate talking to you again, brother. Okay. Jeff Cruschel, Crush Pro's Performance. Good guy. Scared the hell out of all of us. If the healthiest guy on the planet that we know had that happen to him, what are we doing? I don't know. Anyway, he's a courageous guy, and if you get a chance to listen to him, make sure you do. NHL rumors, there are plenty, including expansion. You're not going to believe where they're heading and the reason why. Well, you know it's money. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Declan and his damn love songs. It just takes over the program. I'm a ballad guy. When you think of ballads, you think of the early 90s Green Day. Yeah, sure. You <laughs> bet. Uh, you can text or call one 401 1440 I have not read any text yet. And that's on me. But right now we have the rumors. And there are a lot of NHL rumors. So we're going to slide through them. Slide through them. Slide through those. And then we're going to get to some of your texts because you're the star of the show. And we know that. Well, I, technically it's it's Declan. But, you know, you are really the star. You just don't get paid like Declan does. I can't. T- did you change your password? No, 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 no. Password's still the same. No, I will not be giving it out on air, but I can I can run around there <laughs> yeah. if I need to. Yeah, you gotta. Damn all right. it all. No, you know? <laughs> no, let me give me a second. I, Stretch I just, it out and I'll get over there. I'm going to tell on myself. I um, I got an email address when I first arrived at the, this radio station. And I said, put in a password. And I did. And I forgot the password. And I did send an email to the folks who do this stuff, but they haven't gotten back to me. And I probably sent the wrong email to the wrong address. But because of that, I'm using Declan's password uh, to get in. And so it's it's been, it's only been like, this is the fifth week. <laughs> but that's how I roll, man. I'm not exactly what you'd call smooth on this stuff. But I thank you, Declan, for doing that. And you did such a good job. And you didn't trip or anything. All right, here's your rumors. Gary Bettman confirming uh, the player's escrow from the pandemic will be paid in full this year and predicting a salary cap next season, 87 to $88 million. And you're saying, oh, geez, low tide, what does that mean? Well, right now, if your Edmonton Oilers had 87 to $88 million on, like, say, 88, right, they would have about mm, $4.5 million more than they do now. That's a lot. That's Connor Brown's bonus. Now, they've already spent it because they, they have Connor Brown's bonus, but it gives you an idea about what you'll be looking at. And it's good to have that number. It really does mean the players have finally paid back the owners. 
I mean, can you imagine 20, what was it, 2020? Was it Was it March of 2020? Was that the when the pandemic hit? Am I correct in that? Yeah, that was no. about right. Okay, so 2020, Daryl Cates is sitting in his office alone, probably playing solitaire on the computer, and the phone rings, and it's, you know, the NHL, Batman or Daily or whomever, and they say, yeah, you got to pay the full salaries even though uh, there's no way you're going to make the revenue. And so that's like, whatever it was, 80 million out the door and you're going to get pennies on the dollar. And the only promise is that there's going to be a clawback. And so everybody gets paid their, their salary, but the owner is getting like a percentage of on return. You gotta have deep pockets to do that. You gotta be like Declan Kruger squared to get that kind of coin. And they did it. And they'll get another, another more firm number uh, in December. Batman also said, the best answer I can give you in regard to expansion, we have continuous expressions of interest from places like Houston, Atlanta, Quebec City, Salt Lake City, but expansion isn't on the agenda. What does that mean? Expansion within two years. And the reason? Money. Money, 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 money. APA wrote about it. And they're so smart. It's a rich man's world. And so, again, if you're Daryl Cates and there's 32 teams... You say, or I mean, don't, let's not blame Daryl Cates. Let's say the NHL says, okay, only 30 teams can take part in the expansion revenue. This time we're going to, since we've got 30 teams, we're going to charge, I don't know, some redonkulous number like $900 million, and then everybody can share the money. And that's how, that's how people get rich, boys and girls. <laughs> and that's how you don't, because you don't have that deal. Oh, man. That's Jameson money. I know. That's what I'm saying. People asking about Jeff Grishel's name. We, we should never, ever, ever forget that. We know Jeff Grishel well. We love Jeff Grishel. But some for some people, that was the first time that they'd, they'd actually heard Jeff on the air. It's a great reminder. LT Vlad Jr. MVP imposter. See, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Will McLeod and Ekholm be ready for opening night? And will the Blue Jays make lots of changes? I think McLeod's ready for opening night. One hopes that Ekholm's ready for opening night, but you know, it's we're getting close now. We're not far away. And will the Blue Jays make lots of changes? Here's what I, I think. I, I like their pitching and I like their defense, but I do think they need a, a, a left-handed bat, guy with hair on his ass, to hit right in the middle, like the number three spot. And then you put, you know, well, say number four, you put Vladdy at three, that left-handed guy at four, like Rusty Staub, Larry Walker, if you're an Expos fan, and then you have Bichette or, or flip Bichette and Guerrero, depending upon who's hot. That's what I would do. They've got they got lefty bats. They just didn't get thunder in the bat. They didn't get the natural. Robert Redford didn't come out there and hit the ball with his special bat. Raphael Lavoie and Dylan Holloway looked very sharp together last night. Keeping them together might be the beginnings of a sneaky good bottom six line that can put up points. Here's the thing: where because you, you have four guys now. You have Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, Dylan Holloway, Raphael Lavoie. One of them has to play on the fourth line. I think it'll be Lavoie. But he can, like, that's a, he's done two goal scorer goals in the last week and a bit. Two, two really, really nice goals. Those are dandies. 
and he has that ability. And, I mean, I don't know if Dylan Holloway has, has you know, he hasn't posted the numbers yet. Warren Fogel looks pretty good. Ryan McLeod looks pretty good. I think you keep Holloway there and you put Fogel on the fourth line, and then when somebody struggles, you slide up Lavoie. That's how I think it'll go. LT, I've heard so many people in the know in hockey use the term goaltending is voodoo. You were the first one I heard use it. Is that an LTism or did you hear it somewhere? Mark from Flynn Flon. I believe it was, I believe that I made that up, but I don't know. You know, here's the thing. You, you, you say things like I, I know I said, keep your powder dry the first time because I, I, nobody else was saying that. And I know I said things like we're burning daylight because my dad said that when I was a kid. But in that particular instance, goaltending is voodoo. I can't say. It was either in the ether and I pulled it out or I did think of it and I don't remember. And I, what I do with that is I never take credit for it even though I just did because I don't remember. All I remember is people say, low tide, you're so well known. It's just that I was the first guy to do it. And I, I'm certainly not the best guy to do it. But I was doing, I was blogging in 2003. And so people who wanted to blog or people who wanted to read blogs they adopted it early and they would go to my blog and I would ramble on about, you know, God knows what. It's not just all about hockey. There's a lot of life in there. And so that's what happened. And so a phrase like that, I I secretly think I did, but I don't remember that I did. And so that's the worst answer ever, but that's the that's me being honest. 29 isn't that bad of an option to be playing with. Well, here's the thing, though, and this is why it is important, because... All of the Oilers' centers, either with McDavid or without McDavid, including McDavid, were over 50% a year ago in goal share at 5-on-5, except Leon. At 5-on-5 without McDavid, he was less than 50%. That's why Connor Brown might be the key to the highway for that line. McDavid can be over 50% just because he's touched by God. But Leon might need some help when he's not with McDavid. And that's why Connor Brown might be a pivot point for that line. Hyman would just end up with Drysaddle, which is a good situation to be in. Well, Hyman is not as good a two-way player as Connor Brown is and appears to be. I don't know why somebody typed in, uh, oh, I know why they did. You were typing away and somebody said, he sounds like a stenographer. That would be a good nickname for you. It's a little wordy. It's no, it's one word. Stenographer. Yeah, but like Declan the stenographer. No, no, we don't even have to do that. It's not very cool. We can, I could just go, uh, stenographer. You could go. Can you just call me like Stenny? No, no. Like I, stenographer. I don't it's old timey. It it's perfect. You know, and it's sort of, <laughs> it's, it's a delight because it sort of limits you. You're way more than a stenographer. So then it's an insult. So that's even better. I don't love it. I do. I don't love it, but it's not my show. I don't make the rules, so I guess if that's what it's got to be, that's oh, what it's got to be. I'm going to have a hard time getting off a stenographer. That's yeah, might get good. some pushback on that one. Well, I let's, from me only. Let's let's, mm-hmm. let's put it out there. Do people like stenographer? No, don't put it out there. Don't put it out there. the The army of low tide fans will have your back. You know this, and I, now, oh, now I'm going to be known a as simple, humble man. I'll be known as the stenographer. <laughs> Not, you you got to take the out of it. It's not. It's like stenographer. yo stenographer. 
Because it's like you're just calling somebody up. It could be anybody. You're in a pool of stenographers. We got a we got a text in Steno Boy. I, I don't mind that. I could be Steno Boy. Steno sounds kind of hard. I guess so. Like Steno that. Boy or Steno. I don't know. Steny Boy. I like the I like the tradition of stenographer. You know, it's like it's like um, I use phonics a lot because it, it's such an old timey phrase. I like that stuff. I saw an article breaking down goals by type of shot for 22-23 snap, wrist, slap, backhand, tip. If I recall, the Oilers was in the top five of each category. Have you seen this? I have not. It is interesting, but I have not seen it. I looked for the article when I saw that text, and I couldn't find anything about it, uh, but I would love a link to it because I would love to read it. I think uh, I think that'd be a pretty cool article to get into. I would love to see the actual stats on that. But yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere. I was disappointed. Uh, good afternoon, gents. Uh, Crusher referenced a podcast a while ago in which he said he bared everything. That podcast was the catalyst for my wife and I that we needed to change our lifestyles and to take our cardio and cardiac health much more seriously. Glad we have guys like that around, Van Owen, that SOB. So, yeah, I mean, that, and, and, and here's, in a way, and I don't, I'm not trying to be funny with this, but in a way, Jeff being the guy who had it happen to him, had a greater impact because, you know, I remember I would be in sales meetings and Jeff would come in at eight in the morning and he was so dynamic, you know, and we're all just barely keeping our eyes open after having, you know, driven, <laughs> driven from our house to the radio station and Jeff's there and he's just like, he's up and at him and he's doing jumping jacks and he's somersaulting. And by the end of it, we were ready to grab our muskets, climb over a hill and kill whatever was there. And not that Jeff's a violent guy, but that's the energy that he brought. And for him, it just is a reminder about, you know, the importance of, as you said, uh, you know, physical fitness and keeping your cardio at a very high level, but also appreciating what you have and your life and your life together. You sound like a very cool couple, like Declan and I. Very cool. Love stenographer. Wonderful nickname. That's what I'm saying. People are liking Steno Boy, though. Declan Stenographer Kruger. Perfect wrestling name. <laughs> Don't like it. It's demeaning. Well, thank you for sticking up for well, me. One, I, one guy here. Declan, I think we know it's demeaning. That's why we're all over it like a, like a fly on, on stink. You want to you wanna, you wanna put uh, some shadow on my shine is what's happening. No, I, I, I'm delighted by the word. You I like. However, I would be willing to throw you under the bus for humor, and that's what we've done. So I'll do anything for a good joke. So I don't mind that. Well, you work for me, so that's uh, that's part of it. You know, you work with me. Sorry, uh, bagged milk. Speaking of jokes, I still don't know his name. Are we ever going to get this man's name? No, but I like that. I like the uh, the and what uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say anonymity, but that's I don't think that's the right one. Is it is it stenographer? No, definitely, I'm definitely not looking for that word. I just like the mystery that surrounds him. He just is bagged milk. It's fun. I like that. Yeah. If he, you're if, not on the same page, clearly. Well, no, no, but if you ever talk to a, a, a hockey scout about the, the guy's a bag of milk, that's not a compliment. I know, but with him. He's a good-looking fella. Yeah. Yeah. Bagged milk, Otis Nation on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. This is a Sports 1440 update. Your Sports 1440 update. Oilers news as they have signed undrafted winger Brady Stonehouse to a three-year entry-level contract. The 19-year-old posted 37 goals and 57 points in 68 games with the Ottawa 67s last season. 
Kings forward Arthur Kaliev has been suspended for two preseason games and two regular season games for kneeing Anaheim Ducks forward Chase DeLeo, the NHL's Department of Player Safety, announced earlier today. A $1.2 billion deal to replace Calgary's aging Saddle Dome with a new NHL arena could be finalized as early as this afternoon. The Council's Event Center Committee is meeting this morning and a news conference has been scheduled for this afternoon at Calgary City Hall with Premier Daniel Smith, Mayor Giordi Gondek and other officials. Former Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald has filed a wrongful termination lawsuit against the university in which he is seeking an excess of $130 million for lost earnings as well as punitive damages. Fitzgerald alleges that Northwestern unlawfully fired him for cause on July 10th, three days after announcing a two-week suspension as part of a corrective measure from a university-commissioned hazing investigation. WNBA announced an expansion team to the Golden State Warriors ownership group to begin play in 2025. And with that news, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the ownership group behind the Raptors and Maple Leafs, are no longer pursuing a WNBA franchise. AJHL action, two games on the slate tonight. It's Black Falls in White Court at 7 and Sherwood Park in Fort Mac. Puck drop for that one at 7.30. I'm Declan Kruger, and this has been your Sports 1440 Update.